All right, guys, it's time for the next Level Guy Show, a men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats, covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is James Tomlinson. James's martial art journey started as a 10-year-old kid, chubby and bullied at school. He craved an escape from being the school punching bag and he found Taekwondo. One effective self-defense technique and three classes later, the kid was addicted to martial arts. At the same time, he discovered weight training and he quickly transformed into a man-child. This sparked a 15-year journey of fitness and fighting that led him to move to Melbourne. JT won a national championship in 2006 and an international competition in 2007. At the same time, he was consistently improving his physical conditioning knowledge on his way to becoming one of the first certified kettlebell trainers in Australia. At the start of 2008, he found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it totally kicked his butt. After this point, his passion for learning martial arts took a new path, and he started to conceive new ways to get stronger and fitter for this new challenge. He quickly became the go-to guy to ask about improving physically for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Travelling, training and competing for extended periods of time in Brazil, the United States and Canada enabled JT to see how Jiu-Jitsu was evolving at the highest level. His constant quest to find the most effective training methods would continue to give him a competitive advantage on the mats. From that time, he has worked with multiple world champions as well as some of Australia's best grapplers, having experienced his own battles with injury and seen others suffer the pain of time lost on the mats. JT wants to help more people roll better for longer using the right training. Nowadays, James is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt who trains under the ADCC Absolute Bronze Medalist Lachlan Giles in Melbourne, Australia. He's known worldwide for his partnership with Joey Wetherington. Together they co-founded Bulletproof BJJ, which is a strength and mobility program designed for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes who want to perform at the best of their abilities but the pair also noticed how most athletes are plagued with niggling injuries and how the majority of grapplers are stiff, sore and underperforming. They believe that every grappler can continue to improve on the mats and live a strong, pain-free life with some knowledge and training methods incorporated. And with their combined 25 years training, competing and coaching, they will show you what it takes to thrive in BJJ. Bulletproof for BJJ helps reduce niggling pain, fix muscular tightness and joint restrictions, help you to build better athleticism and faster recovery with a focus so that you can perform optimally in every training session it's time for you to start your journey towards better athleticism and less injuries today and now let's get to the interview well thank you so much for coming on i found you through instagram Love. I uh, came for the tips on how to get mobile for jujitsu. Stayed for the personality, the laughs, and the amazing content. But for people who maybe don't recognize your name, can you give a quick introduction? 
and why you you're so well known in the world of jiu-jitsu well i thank you for that introduction uh i mean my name is james tomlinson otherwise known as jt tenacity um you know i you know i can i can tell you the origin of that but really i think uh, you know i have over 20 years experience as a personal trainer and strength conditioning coach uh you know i started doing taekwondo when i was 10 years old and i found brazilian jiu-jitsu when i was 25 i'm uh 40 in a month uh you know 15 years of brazilian jiu-jitsu and what I had observed was a real lack of um, a scientific approach to training your body for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And so I've made it really, you know, I don't know, just in an obsessive way. I just wanted to know the best way to train for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because I'd always wanted to know the best way to train for speed and power and flexibility and all these things from a combat sport perspective. And Jiu-Jitsu is just this complex beast and it's really difficult because you spend so much time trying to learn the skills, it's hard to know what to do with your body. And especially when you get injured. And I've had, you know, I've just had a litany of injuries. I think uh, relevant to people knowing who I am, uh, I, I don't know, it's it's uh, a lot of different in-between things. I started um, Bulletproof for BJJ four and a half years ago with my business partner, Joey. And that really, uh, that has really kind of, uh, gained a, a, a good amount of momentum in recent times. So people would have seen me from that. But actually, I did a viral video eight years ago, uh, which was bodybuilder versus jujitsu fighter. And uh, it got like 14 million views in, in six months. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't own that video and I didn't get any attribution. So people actually knew my face before they knew who the <laughs> fuck I was. <laughs> you know, like, I know you from somewhere. You, like, who are you? I'm like, I'm no one. But did you see that bodybuilder jujitsu fighter video? They're like, oh yeah, that's you. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, like like anything with the internet, um, I've been around for a little while, and uh, I'm not. I'm in no way the the kind of influencer model, but definitely I seek to influence people because I want people to be healthier, stronger, fitter, more savage individuals. And so I think, um, I don't know why recently, um, we've been popping up, uh, bulletproof. A lot of people are saying YouTube likes us. The algorithm likes us. People are searching. I would complain. I'd be delighted. <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I, you know, I, I'm, I feel very blessed. I'm very fortunate. Um, but I feel like I look around the, uh, health and fitness industry and a lot of it's fuckery and crap. And then I look around the jujitsu world and people are trying but they're fucking boring man like and honestly if you can't tell a story if you can't crack a joke shut the fuck up like i'm not that interested and i don't know that's just me right i'm very critical because i've been in it a long time and that's mm. the thing like uh when you've done something more than 20 years you see a lot and you see the trends and i think like i just want to cut through the bullshit and help people just take action. I think the hardest thing is it gets real overwhelming. Oh, but so-and-so says this and so-and-so says that. And it's like, dude, you're still staring at Instagram. You're not fucking, you didn't do your rehab for your knee or you, you didn't do your mobility for your shoulder. Like you need to just get clear on what is the right thing to do and then take action. And, and so much of what we do at Bulletproof for BJJ is create a structure and make it simple enough that people can just go and do those good things. So look, man, I don't even know, you know, I'm so glad that you were able to find me. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm out here, I'm available. So uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to be here.
because that's what I loved about it. Like I started jujitsu at Gracie Baja, and it was like going and you bow to this photo of a long dead guy, and you do this mm. and you do that. You have to like call them pro- like professor and all. And I work in a university, so to me, a professor is somebody that's a PhD and teaching. And you know, it's like it's. I just found the whole thing a bit clinical, and now that mm-hmm. I'm in a gym where it's. No one calls by her first name. Don't bother with all that crap. You know, just leave for jujitsu. That's why I was so glad when I found you because your stuff was so refreshing. There was humor. There was like having a laugh, but it was good quality stuff. It wasn't we we're going to live off our name for the last 30, 40 years. You just went, here's what to do. Here's what to do if you fuck up. Here's how to fix it. Have a lot, you know, get back and enjoy the sport you're doing. I love that sort of thing. But what was it that got you into martial arts? You know, what made you then start? Because I read somewhere that you said you had been tinkering with your energy outputs, your body performance, etc., for fifteen years. What caused yeah, jujitsu? You know, more. I guess. Um, I mean, really, martial arts started for me. I was a I was a fat kid, so I was not athletic. Uh, you know, uh, my mum didn't really want me to play sport. Kind of wrapped me up in cotton wool, and I used mm. to get bullied a lot. Like I used to get you know, punched in the face, you know, almost daily, you know, I, I didn't fit in, you know, we were pretty broke when I was a kid. I was, I didn't have anything cool. My mom wouldn't let me watch commercial television. I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons. So I really, I didn't fit in. I was very nerdy. Um, so I was smart, but I just didn't have, what can I say? I didn't have the social expertise in any way. I didn't fit in, didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and in that way, uh, I just got to a critical point when I was about 10, 10 and a half. I just had enough. My self-esteem was pretty shit. I really actually despised myself in a lot of ways because I just getting, I didn't know why kids didn't like me. I was friendly and uh, my mum would always tell me to be friendly to people, but then I would just get taken advantage of and picked on and I didn't understand. So I live in a pretty small town, a little town called Springwood, which is up in the Blue Mountains uh, in the west of Sydney. And the only thing they had was Taekwondo. So local school hall, they're teaching Taekwondo, they're teaching self-defense. I happened to go in there. And yeah, man, they, my, the, the head teacher at the time also had done some Wing Chun. And he was showing us a mixture of like Taekwondo self-defense and some kind of um, some blocking hands techniques from Wing Chun. And uh, he showed us this block and this trip. and I actually executed it exceptionally well on one of my worst bullies um, only two days post learning it. Like we nice. drilled it and drilled it and drilled it and I nailed it, man. And and I knocked the kid over and he landed on his back and he was winded and he was like, mm. and I was like, whoa. And then he had like these two little crony dudes that roll around with him and they were just like, oh shit, this kid knows karate. And I was like, yeah. I just went, I just doubled in size, you know, this, this little piece of knowledge saved me from getting a beat down. So I was addicted. I was like, oh, I got to fucking learn this because it wasn't like, oh, I got bigger or stronger. I just, it was a total fluke, but I, I was able to execute this technique and it saved me. So in my mind, I was like, well, I got to get this knowledge. Like I was, I was a smart kid. I knew how to learn things. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this all the time. And the change it made in me mentally and, and physiologically from 10 age of 10 to about age of 12 was huge. Like I grew, you know, doing push-ups and sit-ups and running and squats and just body weight martial arts stuff changed my body. And also I started lifting weights 
uh, right around this time as well. So I just basically blew up into a man child and I just w- went on a mission. Like no one is going to fuck with me. Like I am going to be so strong and so good at fighting. Someone tries to come bully me. I'm going to fuck them up. And it's interesting that this whole change in my view on life um, just changed the trajectory of my life. You know, like it just stopped me from being a victim and that was massive. And then my body started to change. So I was like, wow, I never thought I could change my body like this. Obviously, I was very young, but I think a lot of us feel this way. Like we identify like, oh, I'm fat or I'm skinny or I'm whatever. But the crazy thing about the human body is it can change in so many ways. So I've been obsessed with um, how to condition the body and and how to get fitter and, and, and how to learn. Like how to learn something is kind of, I guess, my number one obsession and then how to change the body is the second so that started really young for me and um but it wasn't it wasn't until i was like yeah 25 uh, coming into like 2008 when i um found brazilian jiu-jitsu but it was like a it was like a reawakening too because i thought i knew how to fight and then i got fucking destroyed oh i uh, remember those days Everybody, I think right. everybody comes to jujitsu, whether you're a, you know, someone who's trained in martial arts or not, just the level of helplessness you feel against someone who's trained uh, is crazy. And I already counted myself as a kind of fit, strong human, but nah, man, it was, it was, it was really crazy. Um, yeah, it was just really crazy how that uh, affected me. Cause you find somebody with a bit of technique, a bit of timing, a bit of sensitivity. And before you know it, you're over that you're getting launched and you know you're always you can't like you're probably like me you're used to being the big guy the the guy that can the silent giant and then suddenly you're like what what do you mean here I, i'm not my strength isn't helping my bigness isn't helping and when yeah, i went uh, in i come out well, I, mean, I, I wouldn't i don't yeah i mean i wouldn't say i wouldn't say the silent guy but <laughs> <laughs> not even the big guy but yeah i mean i think when you when you do get confident and uh you get used to having good control of your body and then suddenly you can't do anything. It's, it's very confronting. Cause it, it's definitely something that you have to learn. And I think that's a big problem is you go into class, they show you three or four moves and then they'll say, okay, on you go, have a roll. And nobody kind of says, how do you chain it around? How do you move your body effectively, efficiently and not just be a, a to B Oh wait, they they block that. Now what do I do? To actually understand chains, to understand movement patterns and stuff. Where do you see people going wrong? You know, like when you get somebody new, say you have a six foot four serial killer looking fat guy who's happens to be asking you questions. Where would you see big guys, guys who are new, older guys, whatever it is, how do you see them going wrong in their movement patterns? Like when they try to move jujitsu, is it they're not thinking of it as a flow. They're thinking of it as move to move or. Like, no, I don't, I don't even think it's, no, I th- I, I don't think you, uh, we need to kind of rewind on that a little bit. Everybody is very different and it's not even a size differential. I mean, obviously if you're uh, bigger, the, here's a, a key element. Gravity is with you and then gravity is against you. If you're on top, it's helping you. If you're on so- the bottom, it's against you. So the leverage is very different in that way. That said, like it's it doesn't matter. I I personally feel that 
this is the most underestimated thing about jujitsu is the level of complexity, not only in understanding it from a physical point of view, but a technical point of view. And so you could, you could get someone who's a very gymnastic, flexible, strong, capable, learns the moves, but cognitively they can't work the strategy. And then you could get somebody who's not that physically capable. They might be stiff. They might be a bit out of shape, not very fit, but they got really good like fight IQ. So they have a really good sense of like timing and they can see things and they can put it together. And also they might just be a vicious motherfucker and be like, I'm going to twist your arm off. And that mentality and that view and that mind to the fight or to the, to the, to the conflict, the combat makes them better. It, you know, it, both of these things can be taught, but the problem is we try to teach it all at once. And this is the mistake when actually you got to, you do need to spend some time just going through, like if somebody can't touch their toes, like just straight up, lean forward, touch your toes, you shouldn't be doing inversions. You shouldn't. Why? Because you're more likely to get injured. You'll make room to do the inversion, but you're going to maybe bulge a disc or you're going to hurt your neck or whatever, right? So if you can't control your body under certain movements, under your own volition, how are you going to do it when someone is like forcing you into those positions, right? Now, usually we get away with it because we're full of adrenaline, but actually it's not the right idea. See, most jujitsu coaches just want you to learn the skills. And in that way, they neglect the physical preparation side of things. You can't expect somebody who is like a 20, 30-year expert at a skill to also be like a master strength conditioning coach. You can't, like that's just unreasonable, right? That said, you can... It, I, I believe this is my personal opinion, and this is the subtext that no one talks about. So two things here. You if you can't if you don't have command of a skill, you can delegate it. So you can find somebody who's good for that. So I believe that all jujitsu gyms should have an area of physical conditioning, like whatever that might be, like a gym area or a um, a space that's dedicated for people to be able to work on their rehab or do their mobility or whatever. The, the subtext in jiu-jitsu, which no one wants to talk about, is injury. Because the real community in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the injured. And there's no proper method on dealing with that. And that's really what we are trying to do with Bulletproof for BJJ, is to give people a method of making their bodies more um, fortified, more robust, and then also just restore movement. Because let's say you're 35 years old and you're just starting jujitsu. You've got 15, 20 years of all kinds of life in you that have fucked your shoulders, fucked your back, hurt your ankle. You got drunk and you're playing footy with your mate and you, you know, you did your knee and, you know, there's all these things that, can happen to you in life and then you want to put jujitsu on top of it it's like the analogy we have is like having a real beat up car and then trying to go like rally driving you're like no nah, rally driving looks really fun you're like yeah it's fun but you're gonna get fucked up so <laughs> like it's really important that from the jump you know the individual needs to be better informed the academy doesn't want to tell you look you're going to sign up, but in six months, you're going to have a bit of an injury. And in about 12 months, it's going to be a bit more serious. And by year two, you might have a surgery level injury. It's going to have you off the mats for at least six months. Like no one, that's not a sales pitch. No one is saying that shit. You know what I mean? Like who's, who's saying that? No one is, but it's real. So if we consider this, it's really important that from the start, 
the responsibility doesn't have to be on the coach, but it's really important that individuals who want to do jujitsu understand like there's a cost and the cost is you have to be physically prepared. Now, anyone can do jujitsu. It doesn't matter what shape or size you are, which is awesome. The mistake anyone makes, big or small, is not preparing their bodies for something that's going to be real rigorous and real intense. And so relating this back to your question about being a bigger guy, I think it's easier being bigger, far easier, way harder to come in as a 55 kilo out of condition male or female. Do you know what I mean? I think being the smaller person on the mat is far more brutal. Like, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of challenges to being taller, overweight, anything, right? There's there's, there's challenges to every body type within jujitsu, but knowing how to make it work for you is is important. So that's the skill kind of criteria. But then knowing how to kind of fix your body up is another thing. Jiu-jitsu is not a fitness solution. So even though if you've done nothing and you start doing jiu-jitsu, that's great. Like it, you can lose weight and you can feel fitter and all these things, but it will tighten your hip flexors. It will round your shoulders. You know, it will jar your fingers. Like it's going to do all these things to your body and you need a remedy for that or you need a, a system of habits to help iron out the kinks. And if you don't have that, you're going to be in injury town real quick. So I feel that is probably the biggest issue when people first come to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is just not having the body maintenance regime. Because when I first started, I mean, it was like I was 35. Like I started from powerlifting. And, you know, I would get, like, captions from deadlifting too close to the bar because, you know, it was a tweak on your form that gave you an extra bit of leverage. And my neck was, like, the size of a house because I was deadlifting all the time. My back was there. And I was like, I'm super strong. When the first time they said, roll your feet and touch, you know, over your shoulders, I couldn't do that because I was so tight with hip flexors and stuff. Then Then I got turf toe. I broke a finger. I, you know, pretty much anything and everything. I tweaked the mass on my back because my body was just going, what the hell are you doing, mate? Like, you know, this, mm. you're, you're fat, so you calm down. And I slowly got into it. I kind of slowly built my body into it. But something I wish somebody had done was come along and say, here's an analysis tool to look at your body and see where you're struggling, what needs prehab, what needs rehab, what needs further work. Do you, how would you work with somebody? before they got onto the mats and spent 10 well, years, then panicked. We do. So when we have our, when we do our mobility seminar, we do uh, like an assessment. And so look, I mean, maybe this is something we should publish. Like it, we should just have it as a PDF and we have like a ranking system, like a score that kind of rates your mobility uh, from head to toe, you know, like uh, your shoulders, your wrists, your elbows, your knees, your back. Like, And actually, this year, we will be releasing our prehab coach in the Bulletproof for BJJ app. Which so, is fantastic, by the way. That app is yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a work in progress, man. I'll be honest. Like, It's definitely, I think, uh, an improvement on where our website was, but it's got a long way to go. And we're excited to see where it can go because we are recruiting world-class designers we are talking with, you know, people who are working at, you know, top level companies like Google and, and Facebook who to help us make it better. Because that's the thing, when you put an app out in the world, 
people are comparing you to Instagram, people comparing you like, why doesn't this function as well as that? It's like, well, that's a billion dollar company and we're two dudes from Australia. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, it's I not know the same tr- thing. I know who I trust to be honest, but. Oh, no. And I'm, and I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that we want to make uh, bulletproof like these corporations, but in terms of the delivery, like yeah. I know what it's like to be a consumer and get a janky app or a shitty website. It's like, it's fucked. You don't, you don't want to waste time on it. I'm all about not wasting time. And so in the name of saving people time, we want to make the experience very uh, seamless and easy so that you can get the information you need. So if for you, you're like, right, I, I want to focus on mobility, it can take you straight to where you need to go. So in terms of an assessment tool, definitely that's already part of what we do, but I guess we haven't made it public. And I so that's what I, that's what I always do. It doesn't matter if they're young or old or anyone. If I have an, a, a BJJ uh, practitioner coming to me, I always have a look at like, how's your ankles? How's your knees? How's your hips? What's your shoulders doing? Because essentially, um, and this isn't necessarily dictated by how long they've done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This hmm. might just be dictated by the time they're spent in a chair if they're you know a working professional or maybe they're an ex-power lifter. So that means they're going to be really good at certain movements and qualities and they're probably not going to be good at others so then it's how do we get them better at the things that they're struggling with sooner and actually for me it's not so hard i i feel having had the experience i've had i've been very privileged to work with thousands of different bodies and athletes i know exactly what to do so if you if you came to me and and you came in the jungle brothers i, I could I could tell you exactly what you need to do to avoid these issues, but it's going to be a lot of work, brother. And it's not going to be necessarily that much fun because you're like, yeah, but I want to roll. I'm like, yeah, but nah, you got to fix this shit first. If you've got a flat tire, you got to pull the fuck over and change the tire. You can't just keep driving because you're going to damage the whole like wheel shaft and the chassis and you're going to fuck the car if you keep trying to drive at 100 miles an hour with a flat tire. Trust me, I did that. <laughs> I'm the one who fucked the car up, bro. Like, I'm not a technical guy when it comes to cars. Like, my dad's the mechanic, right? I, I wish, I wish I had that knowledge. I'm like, going, man, this car sounds funny. I don't know what's going on, you know? And it, don't don't make my mistake with your body. You can always wreck a car. It doesn't matter. You, you can get another car. That sounds extremely wasteful, but this is the mentality that we are taking with our bodies. And we have this weird illusion like, nah, I'll deal with that later. Well, nah, you're going to deal with the pain now. And I think the mistake is this. We just think, oh, surgery will fix it. Like surgery is the same as changing a tire. It's not. Your body is never as good post-surgery as it was pre-surgery. So this idea that you're going to suddenly restore your function back to 100%, it's not right. Even if the surgery is awesome, it's going to bring you to 98%. And the older you get, you gradually lose a degree of function. And that's okay, but only if you maintain a very healthy, um, active lifestyle. And for the best part, we do not. So we, we just got to know that um, if you haven't got a habit of looking after your body and you come to jujitsu, um, that spells a, a bit of trouble. And powerlifters, and don't get me wrong, I fucking love powerlifting. I love all things strength. I love strength sports. I love strong men. I love arm wrestling. I love all that fucking manly shit. But in truth, it's that hardcore mentality. Like jujitsu is similar. Like, ah, fuck it, do it anyway. You know, like it doesn't matter. 
you know, it's like um, Kazmaier, I think he tore his pec at a powerlifting comp um, back in the 90s. And then he just came out and benched the world record after he tore his pec. Something crazy, you know? And it's like, oh my goodness, you are insane. But then when you look at some of these legends now, same thing with boxing and fighting, they're fucked. You know, these guys are in their 60s and they are like, they can't lift their arm up above their head. They, they can't even wipe their ass. Like, we are basically glorifying people disabling themselves. When you are actually not trying to be the world champion, you're not trying to be Bill fucking Kazmaier, you're not trying to be, um, you know, Gordon Ryan, you're just trying to enjoy this thing you love and the best thing you can do is be in it for as long as you can and not be in incredible pain off the mat. So that's that's it's not sexy but that's that's what we're trying to do we're trying to we're trying to sell this idea of 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 uh keeping you healthy while also still being a mat savage you know no that makes a lot of sense because you never meet somebody who's starting jiu-jitsu who hasn't got a sore knee who hasn't buggered a shoulder who hasn't done this or that you know and it's i always say to them it's like why do we wear it as a badge of honor oh yeah i hurt my knee um playing soccer when i was 15 oh yeah i broke my ankle and it's never really healed when i had a I fell on a drunk night out you know there's always something that it's like part of their story it's never well i could maybe do something about it i could go and rehab i could go and work on it well, just... for the best part people are taught that things break like oh your body's broken that's not actually true i mean it's a remarkable thing that our bodies heal you know the way they do. And actually I've had injuries where, cause I've rehabbed them so thoroughly that joint or that side of my body is now stronger than the other side. Cause I didn't, I didn't actually pay as much attention to the other side, um, which is very interesting, but I've been very lucky to avoid surgeries. I think the idea of the identity piece about having a sore knee or a bad shoulder or a bad ankle, it's just, it's just within the the kind of zeitgeist of the culture. It's just people identify as, Oh, I got injured. It's not even a badge of honor. It's just a talking point. Yeah. And honestly, it's, like it's pro- part of their personality, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I fucking tore my hamstring too. Yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like, all right, well, you, all right, cool. I'm not I, – I think the thing is I don't want to seem unsympathetic to anyone who's had an injury. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I've injured myself in crazy ways. But I did the rehab and I came back and I'm still strong and I'm still fit. Like I didn't – stop there like i yes i i I put myself in some pretty crazy situations physically through doing martial arts and lifting and stuff but i also did the the work to come back and so i still enjoy the full function of my body you know and I, i think the difficulty is most people don't know the path back people don't know how to get themselves right and it's not that they don't want to get right but it's humbling, man. It's much easier for someone to be like, nah, that's my fucked knee, as opposed to going in the gym every day, doing the stretches, doing the leg extensions, doing the planks, doing doing the low-level shitty things that humble you because you're like, fuck, I suck at this and this is so basic. Like It's confronting the fact that you've put yourself backwards and, and dealing with that, that, that little bit of discomfort that that it's way easier to just be like, nah, nah, that's just my bad knee. You know, like I think it's it's partly humility as well. Because a lot of people, that's the thing, is a lot of people don't even know they can do anything about it. You know, it's just kind of, well, I'm buggered. 
you know, I'm 50% yeah. there. I'm, and I think that's so sad that some people go through life that with a bit of work, a bit of fixing could help. Maybe not yeah. bring them back to pre, pre-fuckery level. If that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh no, no, that's no. A technical I think, term, but you know, no, no, no. I think you can't. I, I, no, I believe that you you can't provide. See, I said surgery. The caveat is that on surgery, well, once they cut you open, I mean, surgery's gotten a lot better. They can do keyhole, they can do a bunch of stuff, and it's not to say that surgery won't improve your function, but it's this idea that if you have a catastrophic injury, that surgery is just going to bring you back to wherever you were, and you go on from there. Every surgery you have ages you. You know, it shortens your health span. And we don't think about life like this. And it's it's important because the thing is you hit a point in your life, the quality of your life will go down. I mean, you can stay living, you'll be alive, but it'll be shit. Like it's a fizzle. You know, it's like without being too morbid about it, we're going to get to a point in our lives where our health span contracts and it's just illness span. It's like, yeah, you're still alive, but you're suffering and you lose your independence and you lose your capability and, and you know. It's, it's, it's a very challenging thing because no one wants to talk about it because this is the brutality of life. Like this is, this is where life goes. So if you do actually consciously bring attention to looking after yourself, your health span will stretch as a bigger percentage of your life, which is awesome, right? That's, that's great. So you, you want to have as good a capacity as you can have it later on. But what's sexy is steroids and what's sexy is don't tap and what's sexy is fucking, you know. The ego. Yeah, just all nah. the things that we are sensational and they light our brains up. We're like, oh, that's sick. And it's like, okay, but in 10 years, also you're, you're fucked. You have renal failure right. and you have skin cancer and it's you have like torn ligaments. 24-7. You should do it now and forget about the future and – you know, and, and I think that's the terrifying thing is people are hurting themselves for like jobs where they'll replace you before, you know, like if you die, they'll replace you before, um, before the funeral, you mm. know, it's like, yeah. and that's the scary thing. It's like, people think oh, I've got plenty of time, plenty of years left, but it's like you're saying, it's sexy to actually do stuff now that fixes it for later. And so mm. few men especially will do it because we don't like to think we're going to self-destruct. We don't like to think we're maybe not going to be able to lift our kids up or put the heavy boxes up or... Yeah, but I don't think we ever think about it. It's testosterone, man. It makes you dumb. Oh, I don't need any help in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting and fucking. That's what testosterone is for, you know? You pass on your genes and you get eaten by a bear. Um, no, it's just... <laughs> that might be the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sow your we... seeds and, and then d- decompose. And do the deeds, but uh, that's right. Like, but where do you think, like, because a lot of people when they start movement changes and they go like, because this is why I like ha- having guests like you on, because you can show people that this stuff can be fixed. You don't need to not be able to get out of chairs and stuff like that. But yeah. what are like your guiding principles on movement? Because I see people doing movement drills and it's like very sloppy, very eccentric. They're really just jerking into movements. How do we like? How should we breathe through it? Do you like have a mantra as you do the changes, like on the app? Do you have a like a rules on when this is a healthy resistance and when that's a oh fuck stop right now pain? Do you um, like? Do you have that? <laughs> that's a 
thing that's a, that's for somebody a, that's to a go broad in. spectrum question, my friend. Yes. I was trying to think I was trying to think a way of selling it without kind of going, it's completely different for every single person. But you know, be like, do you have a kind of I don't know, like a what 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 is the the process behind deciding what is the appropriate thing at the right time for a person? Or yeah, it's like what's a real like a kind of general set of rules that you want everybody to remember, no matter what capability they start or are using the the site on. Well, I believe relevant to let's uh, let's couch the question in, in in within the context of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? Because that's I guess that's what we're talking about. We can go bigger than that. No. But essentially, if we're talking about someone who does Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for the best part, um, jiu-jitsu is going to demand a lot of your body, uh, like just a lot of different um, – it's going to require you to be flexible, require you to be strong, require you to be fit, have a strong core, do all these things. But that said, you've also got to – like I always have a look and go, what are you bringing into this – like you as the individual, right? So if you lack a range, like a healthy range of motion, if you can't like lift your hands up above your head, you know, if you don't have a certain amount of rotation in your torso, or you don't have a certain range of motion at your ankle, this doesn't mean you can't do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but uh, so like really, really smart guy, uh, uh, Eric Creasy, he's known, or Cressy, he's known as the shoulder guy. Um, he's got like the Cressy Institute. He works with a lot of baseballers. Um, him and I think Mike Boyle was his partner back in the day. They had some great okay. warm-ups and stuff. But you can Google um, Eric Cressy, super smart guy. Uh, he had said, uh, you know, I had all his DVDs back in the day. I'd never met him. I would like to meet him. I believe he was an Olympic lifter. Like he might have been on the uh, USA team. But maybe he went to the Olympics, maybe he didn't. But he just went into specialization around shoulders and he hurt his own back and he did a bunch of stuff. But he's incredibly smart for rehab and preventative um, preventative exercise to make sure people just don't get injured, right? So he said, before you add, you must add range before you add load. So if somebody yeah. has inadequate range, now this doesn't mean, oh, if you have healthy range, get get more range, but it's like, People don't often know, like, what is a good range of motion for my ankle or what, how much do I need to be able to bend or whatever. As far as jiu-jitsu is concerned, you need to have extreme range of motion everywhere. Like, you just need to have yep. that bandwidth because if you don't have it and you get forced there, something will break or tear. And it doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, irreparable damage. It might be a bit of a muscle tear and that's okay. But if it's a ligament tear, that's harder to come back from. And as soon as you get an injury and you get pain, you tend to avoid those things, which can really limit your expression of jujitsu. So you just want to make sure that you have at least healthy function through the whole body. So when I'm looking at somebody, I, I have a look and I'm like, oh, what's lacking here? Generally, here are the I'm going to give you the cheat code on what's wrong with the human body, like just 101 for anyone. This isn't this isn't just jujitsu. This is just I worked a so when I first moved to Melbourne, I'm from Sydney originally. I grew up in Sydney. I moved to Melbourne when I was 21 years old. I was very fortunate to get a, a really great personal training job at a corporate personal training studio called Fitline. Um, Fitline was one of the best personal training studios in the whole city, and it was all corporate clientele. All of these corporate people came in with kyphotic posture from sitting at the desk hunched over, right? They had tight hip flexors from sitting at a – just sitting – for their whole career. 
They had carryover injuries from being athletes when they were younger, but now they were professionals, right? Their glutes didn't work, their scaps didn't work, and their core was shit. So let's look at a jujitsu player. Jujitsu players actively round their shoulders, right? Jujitsu players actively load their hip flexors playing guard. You know, their glutes don't work. Their scaps don't retract. They might have strong abs, but their posterior chain is garbage, right? This is the typical, oh, yeah. you know, jits player, right? <laughs> and so it, it it's okay. But what I noticed is so interesting. Corporates did it passively over 20, 30 years. Jiu-Jitsu players actively do it over about two years. <laughs> so it's it's way more accelerated. I'm like, yep, been there. <laughs> right? You know, and if you're a corporate, who's done 20 years at the desk and now you want to do jujitsu? Holy fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's going to be a disaster because you're basically going to add load to super reduced range. So the cheat code is this. We got to get the shoulders back. We got to get the scapulas strong. You know, we got to stretch the pecs, stretch the lats. We've got to just get the shoulder into a healthy position so it can move well. Also, we need to open up the hip flexors, engage the glutes, tuck the pelvis under so the person isn't like lordotic, like like anterior pelvic tilt. Now, don't get me wrong. We can, I know there's like plenty of smart people out there, smarter than me. We can go into anterior pelvic tilt, posterior pelvic tilt, all this shit. At the end of the day, your glutes are the biggest muscles in your body, or they should be hmm. next to your lats, right? For surface area, the lats cover more space, but your glutes should be the biggest muscles in your body. If they're not, you're kind of fucked right? Because it supports your pelvis, supports your lower back, and is the center of force production. But there's different reasons as to why this might be the case. So it doesn't matter who you are, whatever you can do to kind of extend the hips, strengthen the glutes, strengthen the lower back, strengthen your posterior chain, that's the key. It's 100% the key. Now, jujitsu, as you would know, like being a powerlifter, right? Like it's all posterior chain. It's all, you know, the deadlift, the squat. I mean, as much as you use your quads, if you haven't got a strong back, like mid, upper, lower, you know, erector muscles, if it's not strong, you're not going to be a good power lifter. In the same way, like you need a really strong back to be able to bench, right? Like that's the thing I've learned in the last five years is talking with people way stronger than me is talking about creating this base to be able to bench. I've never had a good bench press, right? Uh, but it's very interesting to me how much um, powerlifters work on their upper back to support their bench press, which I found really interesting. But here's the thing. Jiu-Jitsu is all about staying safe. So everything's tight. You don't want to get extended with your arm or extended with your neck to get guillotined. So even though that's safe, it doesn't mean it's healthy. So the yeah. thing is we, we have to have an approach which isn't just like I had this guy – talk a bunch of shit about our program he's like where's the gi pull-ups where's the explosive rotational exercises i was like bro trust me when i say that you're not trying to replicate jujitsu in the gym we are not trying to do that if anything we're trying to counter it we're trying to give you movements that are going to balance out the ills that jujitsu does for you so that when you go back to the mat you're not getting injured you are balanced out you are restored you are stronger you're more well-rounded so you have greater tolerance for distress. Yes, can you get stronger for those movements in jiu-jitsu? Of course. But if you look at the best athletes at the uppermost level, they are doing plenty of work outside of what they do. And I don't know why 
we have this strange mentality. Maybe it's just the immaturity of what jujitsu is, that which is look at a guy like look at any top athlete. Look at like a LeBron James or look at like a, a super elite um, football player, soccer player, what, what have you. They are in the gym whenever they can. They are lying down and doing their recovery whenever they can. Their nutrition is dialed in. They're all this stuff because they are fucking professional. Now, obviously they might be getting paid millions of dollars, but if you can see someone who's ultra elite at their sport doing that, why would you not think that's a good idea in the context of Brazilian jiu-jitsu? It's just because when we put our geese on or we put our jiu-jitsu brain on, we get fucking stupid. <laughs> we get dumb. We're like, oh no, well, jiu-jitsu is different. No, it's fucking not. Like you need to be a fucking gymnast. You need to be ultra fit. You need to be a wrestler. You know, like if we can look at our grappling family, judo, wrestling, sambo, jujitsu, jujitsu is kind of the joke of the grappling world in terms of how it approaches looking after the body. If you look at wrestlers, they are basically trained gymnasts. They can backflip. They can cartwheel. You know, they are so athletic. Their athletic conditioning requirements so much higher. They basically do the same thing as us, except it's limited. Yet they do so much more to prepare their bodies, right? So if we consider this, if we do, and we don't have to fucking become gymnasts to do jujitsu, but if we consider that jujitsu will ask a lot of our bodies and if our body's not prepared, it will get damaged. We just got to spend that little bit more time looking after it. And and really, the two key things you can do is strengthen your upper back, like strengthen your scapulas and pull your shoulders back, stretch your pecs, and then open your hip flexors, strengthen your glutes. If you do those two things, that's going to save you a lot of heartache, whether it's jujitsu or everyday life. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. I love it. Oh, because I think that's sometimes a problem I have with this is I dial into it and I want to go into these deep, really meaningful questions or really specific questions. But I interviewed um, Kieran Leferi, uh, who works oh, yeah, at Jordan. Absolutely amazing guy. And one of his answers was, Never mind that little specific area. Just fix this general area here, and it would help so many people. And I can remember going, that's an amazing point, because it's not like this little tweak here, this little tweak here. Three big things, like you're saying, you know, change, like open up the back, do that. That will help so many people. Like, it, that will have the biggest bang for your back to helping them. Because, like, you think just now, the average person goes in, does a few jumping jacks, maybe a few run rounds the track with a coach, that's their warm-up. They do the class. They do their cool-down, which is going to get in change to going home. They eat crap with their missus. They go for a pint. They stay up till, like, say, 2 in the morning, watching crap on TV, go to bed. Then they wonder why they're not changing. 
you know, they don't see a weight in their life. They don't, they like to choke people out because it gives them a hard on all this weird stuff, you know, the fun stuff. What would you want them to do for like cool down, warm up? How would you start taking the average gym jujitsu guy and making us realize we need a bit of mobility? We need this. I know this is probably like multi million pound business idea, but how, what would you start doing? Cause I know, I know there's about 50 questions in there, but. No, I, you- I mean, it's, 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 so there's 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 two uh, there's two key components to to be able to answer your question here. One is we have the bulletproof BJJ program, so <laughs> that's what that is. That's the answer. Yes, is it a multi million dollar business? Potentially, it's not there yet, but it's it's on track. You know, you know. So we you know if it, and that's really what we want to do with what we're doing is essentially give people very easy to access information and exercises they can do it's not complicated it's time allowance so so it's not a question of information the information is there we have also organized it as such and we're, we're building it more and more so that people can i mean we put a bunch of content up on our youtube channel for free um you know we have stuff on the instagram which is pretty accessible for everybody but if people want a systemized approach to warm up and cool down we have that as part of the program you know but this is what I wanted to say. Behavior change and habit adoption is the problem. It's not like, oh, I don't know the right move. No, you haven't allocated enough time, right? Mm. And don't get me wrong. I'm an impatient person. I want it to fucking happen yesterday, right? Like I want it now. I, whatever it is, whatever I'm going for, I want it now. I am incredibly impatient and I'm incredibly irrational when it comes to what I want. I fucking want it. And you can't tell me otherwise because I believe what I want is good for the world. Now this is commonly the delusion of dictators. So, you know, hopefully don't end up on a Kanye West rant, but you know what I mean? Like essentially what I want is for people doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to do it longer and better without injury or less injury, I should say. Mm. So here's, here's the thing, and this is the biggest problem for all humans, including me, time allocation. You don't budget an extra 15 minutes to get to class and do the warm-up you need to do. You don't budget 15 minutes at the end of class for you to do the warm-down and stretch you need to do, right? I mean, you're probably going to waste that 15 minutes anyway just chatting shit like, oh, did you hear what so-and-so said about so-and-so and fucking Craig Jones and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but you're not stretching right? It's a lack of mindfulness. Now, this is the thing that I've been dealing with my whole career as a personal trainer is trying to get people to adopt new habits. Here's the thing. If you can't throw and catch one ball, you're not going to juggle three balls, right? But everyone's like, yo, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to fucking get a fucking haircut. We're going to start walking in the morning. I'm going to take cold showers, blah, blah, blah. Like, they say that you should never like quit smoking and go on a diet at the same time because yes, there is actually a cap to your willpower and your attention. Your brain is very glucose dependent, right? You you know, fat like lipids can't actually cross the blood brain barrier. So you need, so that's why it's really hard to think when you are hungry, you don't, you haven't got enough sugar there. You're not going to make good decisions, right? So he, here's a huge problem. People are like, right, I'm ready for change. I'm going to do everything. No, do one thing. 
and be like, yo, but that's not cool, man. That's not sexy. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, yep. Just do one thing. So for you, for example, let's, let's treat this as like, let's get Tim Ferriss in this. Basically, you get me on to solve your problems and you make money off it. Great. There's a, I, I, get, I got so sick of Tim Ferriss lately. Like I used to love Tim Ferriss back in the days. He's like, look, uh, this might be a little bit self-serving. This might be a little bit selfish. I don't want to just turn this into a, a counseling session. Yeah, but let's turn this into a yeah. fucking counseling session, right? <laughs> like shut the fuck up, Tim Ferriss. I'm trying to learn how to get good in this world. You ain't helping me. But let's turn this to you, my friend. So what is an issue you have uh, physically? Like if we were, cause I, I can give you, I can give you one thing that'll help you. So in terms of your jujitsu, what do you struggle with? Is it shoulders, hips, back, ankle? What, what, mm. what's the deal? Probably the hips is probably like things like inversions and like getting in tight, you know, and like guard retention, maybe, you know, it's okay. like, so a big part of guard retention is glutes and, and glutes is also a big part of lower back pain. A lot of people go, Oh, you know, my lower back sore when actually what they're saying is my glutes are tight and the lumbar spine has to compensate because the hips aren't moving as well as they could. So a really good way that you could start, which is super easy is elevated pigeon. So the pigeon position on the ground can be really uncomfortable for people, especially if their hips are tight because they get pain in their knee. Whereas with the elevated pigeon, you put your leg up on a on an elevated surface, where it be a chair, a box, a couch, and you still put your leg in that roughly 90 degree position, but it's much more manageable um, whether you're a big or a small person. And then you're just leaning forward and you're going to stay in that position for 60 seconds on one side and just breathe. If you do this for two or three sets on each side, which is a total of fucking six to eight minutes, which is nothing, your hips and your uh, lower back are going to be so much more supple and mobile when you get out there to do your guard work, right? So that's the thing. Just do that one thing. By the same token, after class, you want to be doing something which is going to help counteract all the tension you've built through your psoas, gracilis, you know, all your hip flexor complex muscles, which you're using to pull your knees into your chest when you're doing jujitsu. So then you want to be doing the couch stretch or the uh, kneeling wall stretch, as we call it, which is, you know, your foot's elevated against the wall, you're kneeling, you're leaning forward, you're extending your hip and, and you're opening up all through that front of the hip there. And, and, and it's the same thing. You're going to spend 30 to 60 seconds on one side, 30 to 60 seconds on the other. Now you can be quite active with it, but if you don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about, that's fine. You can just just lean in and breathe and just kind of, but that's the thing. We don't want to put ourselves in that discomfort. And as a result, we don't do that. And it's just one thing. Before class, stretch your glutes. After class, stretch your hip flexors. That will go a long way to you just feeling better when you're doing jiu-jitsu. But that's not the entire answer. Because how did you get the stiffness in your ass? Oh, I, I'm, I work on a computer all day. All right, well, if you're going to spend eight fucking hours doing that, six minutes stretching your glutes isn't going to fucking solve the problem, right? In the same way, if you're going to spend two hours tightening your hip flexors up doing jujitsu, just doing 10 minutes of hip flexor stretch at the end of class, that's not going to be the answer either, but it's still a step forward, right? So it's just one thing. That's, that, this is the key. This is the, the huge mistake is trying to do too much to implement change. One thing. So yes, there's a whole series of exercises you could do to warm up. And yes, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could do to cool down. And, and, and it, that's great. 
but this is this is my advice choose one stretch and and do that consistently if you're my client and i said do this and you didn't do it i'd fucking sack you <laughs> i'd just be like all right dude you're not taking my advice you're not taking this fucking seriously get the fuck out i don't need your money i don't need clients who don't listen to me like just go away and and that's the thing i think most personal trainers and most coaches because you are their business They'll say whatever to just keep you coming in when actually it may not be the right thing for you. So that doesn't mean, oh, jiu-jitsu is not for you. But what, what I'm saying here is this. Ultimately, you want to make it simple for yourself so you can make a change. So once you can keep the habit of showing up five to 10 minutes early to class, doing your one stretch, you'll get better at that. It'll get easier. Then you can add an extra stretch. And then you're doing two stretches before class and two stretches it. after class. and then. Once you can do that for two months, then you can add a third. And before you know it, you're the fucking flexible guy. Oh my God, it works. But it's got to be incremental. And you've got to start with one. Because if you can't throw and catch one ball, you're not going to juggle three. Because that's, I've definitely been one of those guys. I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to change change the world. And then three weeks later, I'm like, what was I doing again? And I like, because like some of your stretches that you show on the app and on your Instagram, for example, I say to people, you could be sitting watching TV doing that. You know, you could, you could, there's plenty of things you could do. You could be like waiting for your car to warm up if it was icy and quickly knock out a set. There's so many things you could potentially, and that's what I love about your program. It's, you're not going, it has to be like forward squats because we're working this and that, you know, you just go, let's just stop you feeling shitty all the day. Then we can dial it in and go like, at what point then do you start adding in? strength of regular lifts you know lifting different weights and you know like because i'm a big fan of like hay bales and yeah. throwing around strongman shit because i've yeah, yeah, highlands yeah. for sheep yeah what, yeah what point do you start adding all that like is there feedback that you're looking for that says that's the range because if somebody's not no. sure how no 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 i, I don't go- think it's like that i i think there's there's two things here well, there's, there's, there's a multitude of things here, but really there should be no reason for you to not go and lift other than injury, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously you've got to find the lifting that um, kind of appeals to you. I love strongman because that's the most fun. You know, I've been lifting barbells and dumbbells my whole life. It's I, I still enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love a deadlift. I love a squat, but I think a stone lift is far more engaging. Uh, like it's uh, fucking exciting. Yeah. Same thing with like a carry, like a big heavy carry. It's kind of intimidating, but you do it and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm alive, bitch. It's a great feeling. Like you're like, yeah, I just lifted 300 fucking kilos. I almost died. That's exciting. You know, like for me, at least, I mean, someone else might look at that and go, that's a bit crazy, but maybe I'm a bit crazy. I, I, I like to feel that intense feeling. I like intense, hardcore things. Other people are like, yo, I just want to do some fucking bicep curls, dude. Like, okay, that's fine. Like, that, that's totally fine. Like I, I, I think for the best part, what we've identified is if someone has not trained, it's better for them to probably start with more of a, a bodybuilding modality, not not uh, isolation machine work, just more the set and rep structure of, of a bodybuilding hypertrophy program because it is safer. Yeah. The mistake is most people don't have the technical proficiency and they won't invest in a coach. So they're like, yo, I heard you got to lift heavy. I'm going to lift heavy. And 
they, they, they can injure themselves. So from a technique proficiency perspective, we prefer that people start with um, kind of slightly higher volume training, slightly lighter weights to just get that skills and proficiency going. Then once people have spent, you know, 12 weeks, like we break our program down into cycles. So two cycles is 12 weeks. So one cycle, six weeks, program change slightly, slight tweaks, you know, cycle two. <clears throat> and that, that way it gives people a chance to adapt. We generally encourage people to spend at least three months when they first start training, doing uh, like a, I guess, you know, more of a um, higher volume, like higher rep, because it, it just means people are more likely to get tired before they are to get injured, if that makes sense, you know. Um, don't get me wrong. I like people lifting heavy. I think it's great. But what's heavy for you is different from what's heavy for me and what's heavy for uh, someone who's never picked up a, a weight. And we always want it to be relevant to um, – we want it to be power to weight ratio, right? Like we're always looking – we do a mixture of body weight as well as kettlebell, as well as you know barbell lifts. Like we want people to be well-rounded. We don't want them to just get good at an implement. You know, they're all tools. You just got to know the right tool for the job. So if someone's hip is not stabilizing well, then they probably shouldn't be doing a barbell back squat. Maybe they need to do some shrimp squats or lunges or unilateral movements to help kind of correct that imbalance. And then once they've kind of mastered that, then they can look at the barbell back squat, you know? So I think this is the thing. We're not dogmatically attached to a movement. We're not, you know, we've identified the moves we feel are most beneficial that's why we have the standards program but we're reviewing that too you know like we still feel that the six strength movements we've chosen and the six mobility movements we've chosen are the best like the most appropriate because they require the most range of motion the most stability the most everything but at the end of the day it's identifying the right tool for the job and so the right tool for the job for you at that time may be different for the right tool for the job for someone else and what you like might not actually be good for you so, man, fuck, you might like hay bales, but holy shit, bro, maybe you got to do some fucking, you know, you got to do some uh, dead bugs because <laughs> your posterior chain yes. is strong as fuck, but your anterior chain is shit. So it's like, well, maybe, yeah, it's all good. You like to fucking, fucking do that kyber toss and fucking heft shit and be a big fucking burly man. It doesn't matter, dude. Like, you actually probably have to spend a little bit of time working on your anterior chain because your posterior chain is so strong, making it stronger, even though that's satisfying to a certain extent, doesn't make it better. So I, I think for anybody, the advice we always give is if, if you're really not sure and you're um, concerned that you could get injured or something like that, go and see a trainer. Like just get, find find a reputable trainer and get them to give you an assessment. Now you can know if a trainer is good or not because a trainer will, will actually assess you if they're not good they'll be like yeah i'm gonna put you on my you know my fucking get jacked program you're like hang on a second bro i didn't come here to get jacked nah you need to get fucking jacked and you're like dude what the fuck are you talking about bro like my shoulder hurts i got a bad ankle like i need some information and so that is the challenge is being able to like you're saying an assessment tool get someone to give you feedback and this applies with jujitsu too it's like you saying to me what's the best guard i'll be like bro <laughs> like there's no best guard it's like oh, what yeah. guard do you play okay oh, i play half guard all right cool have you looked at deep half or have you looked at knee shield have you played reverse de la Hiva? or you know that there's there's 
guards that tie in well to that position if you already play it. There's no best anything. It's just trying to find the right tool for the job. So what I'd say for you is understanding that you have a powerlifting background. I would have you doing more unilateral exercises. Um, and I would also have you doing more bodyweight exercises because that will fucking, that'll bring home the truth. You know, that's, that's going to make you more diverse as an athlete. You're already good at the barbell stuff. You're already good at really heavy stuff. But what is your – because – so here's my I'll, – I'll just I'll frame it this way. For example, people are like, yo, calisthenics the truth. For fucking what? Like calisthenics is really great if you've got skinny, no fucking legs and, and you just like to do pull-ups all the time and dips. Like, yeah, happy days. But when you have to wrestle another fucking human – you need to be able to deal with an external force, which isn't your body weight. So even though calisthenics crew are really good at relative strength, which is their ability to move their own bodies, as soon as someone, like say I've got the calisthenics king and you get on them inside control and you're putting them in an Americana, you're going to twist their fucking arm off. They No amount of fucking muscle-ups is going to save you, wow. right? But if you've done a get-up or you've done like a floor press, a really heavy floor press or like you know if you've had to deal with inertia and using a weight external to your body you'll do better in those situations so always when i look at an individual i go okay where are you good and where are you not and how do we kind of uh, get rid of your weak spots how do we not repeat your mistakes let's not just I mean, yeah, we, we could we could definitely make your strength stronger, but the place that you're going to get injured or the, the spots where you're going to suffer is where you have inadequacies. So let's make, like, let's get rid of those inadequacies. Let's get rid of those imbalances. And then you're much less likely to get injured and you're going to have a better enjoyment of how you move your body. No, that makes a hell of a lot of sense because, like, how, when I would go in and I would go, oh, I'm strong as fuck. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then suddenly when you do jiu-jitsu and you've got to create a frame, but create a structure, and I would suddenly see like energy leaks all over because I never used a lot of little stabilizers and stuff. So like the body weight stuff would work because it would actually fill fill in the gaps between, like I used to see my stronger muscles taking over a role that they shouldn't be doing, but because that was where the strength was. Or And how often do you see guys training because there's gym stuff there? They don't know how to squat properly. There's no depth. They don't know how to like put their ankle, you know, raise their feet on plates to get a wee bit better. Part, you know, and it's it's dangerous because there's not a lot of induction stuff there for mm. athletes. So they're actually yeah. building in bad movement patterns and things. And so, I, I guess the challenge is you, you can't you can't hate on people for trying, right? Like mm. they're doing something, right? Like, um, and so. I, I, I actually, I, funnily enough, I, I went on, uh, I went to, I hung out with Dan Strauss when I was in the UK and oh, nice. you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, he's a legend. And I met him in Australia when he was over here doing seminars. We had a mutual friend and we kind of became uh, fast friends. Like we, we were very much on the same tip, but I think that Dan is probably a happier, more adjusted human than I am. Um, <laughs> And I disagreed with him. I had him, like, we did the podcast in, in his strength garage, you know. Uh, my partner, my fiance was there, and we, we, we sat down and we recorded, like, a two-hour epic podcast with Dan Strauss. And I was actually able to disagree with him. Um, we, he's like, dude, I've been doing this a long time. I've never, ever 
disagreed with someone on a podcast. I'm like, well, fucking here it is, Dan, because I fucking disagree with motherfuckers. You need to deal with that. And he was like, oh, bro, okay. <laughs> but he said something is better than nothing. And I, I said, mm. no, it's not. I don't agree. Because that something could be the very wrong thing. You, like, that could be the wrong thing. To get them seriously injured, yeah. Yeah, but swimming is better than not swimming. And I'm like, no, the fuck it isn't. You'd be better off walking. He's like, yeah, but something's better than nothing. I'm like, no, I just don't fucking agree with that. Because in truth, it's important for you to do the analysis to identify what is the appropriate course of action because you're going to waste time. Your life is fucking short. Don't waste time. Now, this doesn't mean it has to be perfect, but you need to identify something which is helpful. So people are like, oh, I'll do gi pull-ups. That's good for jiu-jitsu. Sort of, but really, maybe your forearms are overworking and that's why your elbows hurt. And maybe doing more flexion and rounding is not what your body needs. So that's why you've got to talk to somebody who knows better than you. And it's just having enough humility to know the limits of your knowledge. So if you just don't fucking know, that's okay. You've got to talk to someone who does. You don't know what you don't know. And that's true in jiu-jitsu knowledge. So you ask your coach, hey, I don't know how to do this thing. You know when the coach goes, is there any questions? And no one asks any questions. That's shit. Like that's an opportunity for everyone to learn. So you should at least try and clarify something because even though people are afraid to look stupid, which I'm not, um, you know, like it's just like ask the question, be the stupid guy. But in the end, you're the smart guy. You're in, you know, your inability or your insecurity to like try to look smart doesn't result in you actually being smarter, you know? So if you don't know what to do with your health and fitness, or you don't know how to fix your injury, find a fucking expert. And if you're not happy with the answer, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, go on this quest of knowledge to be smarter. You know, I learned so much from all the injuries I've given myself to the rehab process, talking to surgeons, talking to physios, because some of them are fucking dumb. You talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, just ice it. And like, you just stop whatever you were doing. I'm not going to fucking stop what I'm doing. Like, I'm just going to quit on life because I twisted my knee. The fuck off. Like, it's so ridiculous that people are just out of hand. They don't care. And that's fine. Like, no one should care about your body as much as you do. But ultimately, you got to find allies and you got to find partners and you got to find champions that are going to help you. And, and, the problem is there's so much information out there which is not relevant to you, but it seems good, so you do it anyway. And Damn. that's the problem. You know, you've got jiu-jitsu guys training like bodybuilders, i.e. Gordon Ryan and fucking Giancarlo Baldoni, right? Now, they obviously do great jiu-jitsu and they're on a gang of steroids, so their bodies look great, but Gordon can't lift his arms up above his head. I mean, maybe he doesn't need to. Who's his trainer? His fucking girlfriend. And what does she do? Bodybuilding workouts. Like, it's fucking dumb. Like, the lack of athleticism in jiu-jitsu blows my mind. If you Like, because if you look at real strength athletes, they're fucking strong. Like, they're doing three times body weight. They're doing four times body weight on some lifts. Like, that's strong. Like, being able to curl 20 kilo dumbbells doesn't mean shit. Like, if you look at a 55-kilo Chinese Olympic weightlifter, male or female, they are moving weight fast, right? Now, I'm not saying Olympic uh, lifting is the answer, but they do so many other exercises that enable them to be able to produce that force and move in that way. In the same way, when you see, like, an Olympic-caliber, not even an Olympic-caliber, just like a national-level gymnast operating on the rings, the level of strength in their grip, the stability in their shoulders, like, it's insane. So 
Why do we not approach jujitsu in the same way? It's too immature. It's not a professional sport. But you can still, there's still a path to mastery in all these physical um, physical challenges, whether you're lifting a barbell, you're lifting your body weight, anything. You've got to scale it back to where you are now. If you don't know where you are now, you can't plot your path forward. And that's where this idea of a, like assessment and understanding where you are. Like, you know, when you go to the mall or you're looking at a map, you need to have that X is like, you are here. Because you're looking over here, like, I want to go over there. But you're looking at the map. If you don't know where you are on the map, the map is relevant, Yeah. right? The other thing too is the map doesn't always match the landscape, right? It's like looking at the map, you're like, ah, yeah, that looks like a small hill. It's a fucking mountain. That mountain is your ACL reconstruction, motherfucker. Like, that's what you're going to deal with. Like, Joey had it, right? So Joey had his ACL reconstructed and he thought, okay, I'm going to get my knee reconstructed. It'll be sweet because I'll have my leg up. I'll just do some admin. I'll become the admin king. No, dude. He was in so much pain. He's taken painkillers. He was hazy. He couldn't think because of the ache in his knee was so distracting. It was so irritating. Like it just, it just kind of rode him off for six weeks when he thought he could be productive. And that's the mm. shit that they don't tell you. And so it's really important that um, in, in this pursuit of jujitsu, yes, it's good to have a good coach and, and supportive community at your club, but some people struggle to find that. Two, you also need an approach on how to look after your body. Now, some people like to do different things, but long-term, if you're not doing some resistance training and you're not doing some mobility, you're going to come across issues. And then the, the, the third piece of the puzzle, which is kind of broader, it's, it's more than a third piece, it's bigger, the sleep, the nutrition, and the general looking after your own health, that's really important too. Now, when you're being in the health and fitness industry, this is very normal to have these discussions around recovery and sleep and you know trying to satisfy nutrients and nutrient density and macros and all the shit. Now, that is an absolute small bubble of the society when most people are just trying to get their job done get some food in, feed the kids, fucking walk the dog, get yeah. the car fixed, live life, right? You're just trying to get through life. And that's what I was saying about the time budgeting. If you decide I'm going to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you have to then also know that you're going to have to lift weights and you're going to have to stretch. And ultimately, if you want to keep that up and you enjoy this fucking crack fiend addiction, which is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're also going to have to make time to eat better and sleep better. And really what's great about that is it forces you to be a healthier individual. But if you decide that you're not going to make those adjustments, then you're going to fucking crash and burn and you're only going to do jujitsu for a short amount of time before it really wrecks you. Because that's what Kieran and like Jordan and that were saying was like, just generally focus on being healthier, you know, that you improve your diet, improve your sleep. Never mind all the other stuff. You can dial all that in. But just making general changes will change so much. I can't. I mean, I can't believe we've been speaking for an hour. It feels like ten minutes, honestly. Like, uh, so there's still so many rabbit holes to go down. I'd love to have you back on. But for people who want that change, who want to start moving better, how can we take like your amazing podcast, your you know your app, your website, your programs? How should we start using these going forward? You know, like what should people do in terms of how you know how should we work that into our jiu-jitsu training as well 
is it like a half and half? Would you kind of focus on your training and set time aside for it? How how can we implement it in our lives? Is probably a better way of putting it. The way we approach it is we have the two three three, which is um, we believe people should be lifting twice a week, doing mobility three times a week, and training jujitsu three times a week. Now, obviously, there's plenty of people out there doing way more, and some people doing less. That's mm. okay. But as a sustainable, so we're all about optimal performance. The problem is everybody's looking at the peak. But what they don't understand about peak is there's a lot of work to get there, and then it fucking falls the fuck off, right? Oh, yeah. So what is good for the long term? If you can train jiu-jitsu consistently three times a week, if you can be doing your mobility work, whether that's a warm-up and a cool-down or a dedicated session where you're getting on the floor and stretching your back, stretching your hips, stretching your hamstrings, stretching your shoulders, like three mobility sessions a week and then two resistance training a week. We know for certain if you keep that up, you're going to be doing well. You're going to be doing way better than the guy who's doing jiu-jitsu six days a week and doing none of the other shit. Because that person within six months' time is going to be injured and they're going to be off the mats. It's really that fucking simple. No one talks about it because you can't post on Instagram, oh, yeah, injured myself again. Like, no, no one's talking that shit. I mean, if you are, you're a fucking idiot. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like I said, it's not not sexy, but, okay, simple doesn't equal easy. It is simple. It sounds simple enough, right? But when you fit it into your life, and this is where I talk about habit adoption, setting your habits is going to dictate your success in life. It's going to dictate your health, dictate everything. Your health is really the foundation upon which you build your capacity. If your health is not much, like if your health is only this, you can only build so high before you fall off. Just like a tree. If you don't have a really deep root base, the tree cannot grow tall. Health is your root base. It's your foundation. If you think your health is not right, well, you just got to do the hard thing, which is look in the mirror and go, you know what? Like for me, it was too much caffeine. I was drinking like five double espressos a day, you know? That's fucked. No one needs that much caffeine. That's not good. I mean, it gave me a level of function, but it also was just making me a fucking drug addict, right? So it's just like, even though it gave me, it, it's, and it would be the same with steroids, right? Sorry, just bumping the mic. It, it gives you this amazing function, but you're borrowing from tomorrow. Like you, you, are, you are taking on this debt that as soon as you're not taking those drugs, your systems are going to fail. Now, obviously, lucky for me, caffeine's not that bad, and I've cut right back. So I have days where I don't have coffee now or I only have one, if that. And yeah, I get tired and I'm probably not as energetic as I was before, but I know it's healthier. I'm sleeping more, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm just, I'm making time to be healthy. And as a result, I've gotten stronger and I'm, I'm happy about that. That's what I want. So I think humility, we always talk about, oh, jiu-jitsu is all about humility, but how many of us are getting injured in the name of ego? You know, it's this real, it's this real paradigm. You know, it's this kind of contradiction. So ultimately, if we accept that we are human and we go, "Fuck, yeah, I'm not doing the right thing by myself. I should probably, I shouldn't be drinking. I got to cut back on my drinking." Or, "Fuck, I need to go to bed a bit earlier." Have the courage, because that's the thing. We're afraid people are going to reject us for saying these things. But in truth, you just say, "You know what, boys, I'm not drinking tonight." 
Oh, pussy, man. You're like, all right, well, fuck you. Because you know what's pussy? You not being at jujitsu tomorrow. I'm yeah. going to go to jujitsu on Saturday morning. Where the fuck will you be? You'll be fucking hungover and you'll be at home, right? So that's the difference. You can be savage in your own way. And I've always, because I was an uncool kid, I was always okay with being uncool. Like I accepted I'm not cool. I don't fit in. And so as a result, I, 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 if people try to make me feel uncomfortable about being different, I just go, fuck you. It's that simple. I'm me and I'm going to run it my way. So if that means not drinking, if that means going to bed a bit earlier, like me, I had some conflict with my partner because I said to her, babe, you got to get off your fucking phone. I'm trying to go to sleep at nine o'clock because I've got to get up at 5 a.m. And she, she gets up early too, but she's like, no, I tell her, chill out. I don't give a fuck. You got to get rid of that fucking blue light. You got to get that bright light out of it and then cause mm. conflict, you know? But you got to have courage. It's difficult because we want people to accept us. But at the end of the day, the most important form of respect is self respect. You got to keep your promises to your fucking self. So when you look in the mirror, you go, you know what? I, I did my day my way and I, I'm proud of myself. And this builds a positive momentum towards everything else. So you go to training when you say you're going to go. You're going to go early. You tell your boss, no, I'm not staying back. Fuck you. You know I can do it tomorrow. I got to go do my training because it's for my mental health. I need to go choke my friend so I don't choke you. (laughs) So shut the fuck up. Leave me alone. I have my boundaries. And you set your boundaries, you know, and it takes courage. And the hardest thing about courage is it's doing something which generates fear of rejection or fear of, you know, criticism and you just got to be cool with it because at the end of the day people will criticize you and hate on you anyway so fuck it fuck them you have to live it on your terms otherwise you're going to put yourself in all these corners with justifications and excuses and it's going to have you living the life that you don't want to lead and you're going to be in a body that doesn't function the way you want it to because you're you're too worried about pleasing others no, mate, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Because how often, do you, like, you'll be like me, you'll do like a podcast, probably finish it late. To, you know, you rob Peter to pay Paul and you're knackered the mm. next day. But in your head, you're like, oh, I'm going to smash this, this, and this. And then suddenly you're at 50% performance after, you're like, well, that was a waste of a day because you've wasted so much time on this. And is that then when it comes to recovery that people need recovery because? They've put too much in and they've broken themselves up. So rather than doing an extra one thing and then they let that become their new base level, then they add another thing, get used to that, let that become their base level rather than I need to have my saunas, I need to have my, my bath. No, no, no. Reco- or... no, no, no. Recovery is sleep at, at, at the base of it. Oh. And people are always like, yo, what's the best supplement and what's this? And it's like, how's your sleep? Oh, my sleep shit. All right, fix that. Yeah, that's like, what. Stop asking me. I mean, you can get supplements that can help you sleep. Like magnesium is a great supplement to mm. assist with uh, relaxation and recovery. But I mean, man, well, whatever. Fuck a sauna. Like, I mean, yeah, sure. Do it if you got it. But it's like, it's kind of like, it's superfluous. Like it's, if the sleep isn't right, you're not eating well. It doesn't matter. In order to have big performance, you need big recovery. Right. It's that simple. You can't generate big energy outputs if you're not restoring your hormone levels, restoring your glycogen levels, and also your brain function. Part of the reason why people don't remember shit is they don't get the deep sleep. And that's where, you know, your working memory communicates all the ideas you learned that day to the, you know, 
the reticulum, the outside of the brain, the, like it, it, it's the USB that commits the information to the hard drive. If you don't have sleep, you don't get that file transfer. And when mm. the day comes the next day, that shit gets deleted. That's so, definitely the area you know, I struggle with. Like, um, yeah, I'm, if you're struggling to retain information, sleep is a huge part of it. It's massive. And, you know, whatever, I'm not going to get into it. I mean, what is it? Uh, Dr. Matthew Walker yeah. Baker, you know, the science of why we sleep or whatever it might be like, that's, it's a fantastic book. You know, I've read it. It's great. And that's part of the reason why I cut back on my caffeine and part of the reason why I sleep a lot more now than I used to. So look, when it comes to recovery, I don't think we need to get fancy, but we do need to allocate uh, more time and we need a wind down process. You can't just expect to slam the handbrake on going 100 miles an hour. It's not going to happen. As much as you have a warm-up process, you have your coffee in the morning, you have everything to get you going, you also need a wind-down process. Yeah. And you've got to stick to that. It's got to be routine. And that involves getting off technology, not looking at TV, fucking you know, having your magnesium, having your hot bath, doing your stretches, reading a book, having a dark room, like all these things that you must have. Like get the TV out your fucking bedroom. Don't be on answering emails. Don't do stressful things. Like you have to have a wind down process. If you don't, you will be wound up and your quality of sleep will be crap. Because uh, that's definitely like me just now. I could remember feeling terrible, thinking I wasn't performing at a level. Just and wasn't sure why I couldn't just finish stuff. And I can remember looking back going, I'm crawling into bed after finishing a podcast at one in the morning. No shutdown there. I'm eating crap. Um, the light, you know, the blue lights, checking my phone at night. And I was like, no wonder I'm fucked. I start making those little changes, like you were saying, completely changed my life. Now I know I can dial in a bit more, take a, a supplement, do a bit more, because you get the general stuff. And I think that's the point. It's why your apps are so fantastic, because you you take all the crap, the bullshit, the myths, the thing, and you say to people, do this, this, and this. This will change your life. Then we'll do this, this, and this. And yeah. now I can see why it's so successful. I can't. I definitely have to get you back on because we have so many acres of stuff, and I know there's so much I want to ask about you as a person, like just because your personality is awesome. So we got to go into stuff. But oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. I'm, I'm. I'm happy to come back on. You let me know. I am gonna. I'm gonna have to jump out. But ultimately, uh, yeah, happy to come back another time. And and if you've got some other like burning topics that you, you'd like to discuss, <laughs> more, more than happy. And I'm. I'm happy to uh, budget a bit more time for a longer discussion. And how can people find you? You know, what's your like social media, your your website? Um, ultimately, ultimately, uh, if people want to reach out to me, it's uh, on Instagram at jt underscore tenacity. Uh, if people want to check out uh, our app, it's the Bulletproof for BJJ app in the App Store, Google Play Store, uh, or you can go to our website, uh, bulletproofforbjj.com. Our podcast is by the same name on Spotify or iTunes, yeah. Bulletproof for BJJ. And um, YouTube, same thing, Bulletproof for BJJ. Have a look there. All the information's there. And yeah, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm the, I'm the most famous person you never heard of. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like I'm, I'm just a dude. I live here in Sydney, Australia, uh, very accessible. Always happy to talk to anyone who's trying to get better at jujitsu. And if you hear this and you don't do Brazilian jujitsu, fuck you. I mean, start jujitsu today. <laughs> and, you know, because it's 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 a challenging thing, but it's a meaningful thing, and it's worthwhile. And that's why I always say to people, it's not that it's easy; 
It's the challenge. It's important to seek adversity because this gives life purpose. And the movement towards making life easier makes me really, it's, 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 it's pointless because life is not easy. And if we don't condition ourselves to do challenging things, then we won't deal with life well. And jujitsu is the perfect way to do it. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.